Have you ever worried that you might be the cool kid you wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends? Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream, always so generic, more normal than your friends? Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears. There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears. Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard. Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd. It's Canon Podcast of for 2021. Happy New Year. Happiness all around. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Boris. And this week, I am joined by one, the one, the only, the Phil. Happy New Year, everybody. Let's, uh, let's hope that this year is better than last year. But, yeah, we got a little bit of a fight ahead of us, I believe. Yep, it's for sure an uphill battle. But enough of that, let's talk about some random bullshit that is going to distract us from the real world. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984. We're going to be talking about what we thought of the movie, which will be an interesting chat. We're also going to talk about the larger DC Extended Universe and what the hell W has planned for it, especially with HBO Max. We're going to then be talking about some TV news we're going to be talking about some 2020 retrospectives and Lego. How does that sound to you, Phil? Mm, really like that last little morsel. That exactly. Tasty. Exactly, because Lego uh, introduced some of their 2021 lineup, and some of it is very interesting. Some of it is zen-like. Some of it is some of the stuff that <laughs> I kind of want to get. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But before we get started, Phil, Happy New Year to you. How's everything going? Uh, things are great, you know, um, worked a lot during the holidays and just kept it together and yeah, we tried to be as responsible as possible, obeying all of our local guidelines. Happy new year to you too. How were, how was everything for you? Everything was pretty good. Low key. Um, literally just spent it with my parents. Uh, I've been in and out of their place, uh, but. Yeah, spent it with their parents, no extended family, didn't see the kiddos, didn't see the brother, didn't see any of them. Um, but we were able to, you know, you know, we're lucky that we're in 2020 and we're able to connect and that we're able to use technology to our advantage. So that was always really cool. Um, it was really cool seeing my little nephew open up his PlayStation 5 because I was trolling him mm -hmm. for the longest time. And I knew that he knew that once he saw the box... You know, the gift, even though it was <laughs> gift wrapped. I knew he knew what it was going to be. So, basically, since I got the system, and I guess I'll, I know he listens, so I'll tell a story now. Because um, there was a reason why I never brought it up. It's because I know he listens weekly. Um, so, essentially, the day that PS5 came out, I was on the way to pick up Miles Morales from Best Buy. Um, I was in the Uber, and I just so randomly was on Amazon, Best Buy, whatever, the, those websites, just wanted to see, like, what if 
I could actually, it's like one of those great Marvel what ifs, what if PS5 was readily available and you can actually get the system on the day like they promised. Um, so I was on the site and I was on Amazon and then all of a sudden I saw, I was like, at the cart. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I clicked it and then actually went to the cart and I bought it right away. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be for Alex, you know, Alex, um, you know, he's not going to expect it. Uh, you know, 2020 was rough for everyone. Little bastard deserves it. So, yeah. So decided to to get that for him, and it was just it wasn't just me. It was the entire family kind of got it for him, and a bunch of games and stuff. So it was the full set for him. Um, but knowing that he, this kid's not an idiot, he's gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna smarten up to the idea of him getting a PS5 as soon as he sees the box. Literally, as soon as I ordered, I started asking him, "Hey." send me your Christmas list because he always sends like a list of things like what he really wants and I think he's leaning more towards becoming a streamer a Twitch streamer and things like that so he kind of for for his birthday I got him a capture card so mm. initially for Christmas I was going to get him like a, a mic set you know so that he can start recording those videos um, so I kept asking him like weekly hey send me your Christmas list update your Christmas list <laughs> and then Indeed. it's funny because on the bottom of his Christmas list, you always talk, you know, wishful thinking PS5. And like, you should just take <laughs> that off. You're an idiot. Like, don't even add that. People are going to laugh at your face. Um, so, you know, I egged that on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then like a week before Christmas, I'm like, okay, I got to do something else. And typically for his birthday, what I've always done is I've given him a gift in like Princess Barbie bags or you know uh, a disney's like <laughs> pink and whatever something to like really make him feel uncomfortable um so week before christmas i told him i'm gonna be the ultimate troll and i'm sorry for it so i knew that he would then as soon as he saw the box he knew that it was the ps5 box but i don't think he knew exactly <laughs> what was inside so seeing him open it up you should have seen his face he was like okay and then right away he starts opening up the box like thinking okay what's in here <laughs> um but yeah, that's when i'm like, like at one point like i was afraid that he was gonna like kind of throw it down or do something dumb and i'm like alex it's the ps5 you got the ps5 so that was that was hilarious and i think it like shocked him that number one he got it number two we were able to get him one and yeah it was it was a really cool little surprise that's hilarious. Like Uncle Boris sent me a box, his PS5 box with bricks in it. <laughs> yeah. And I would do something like that. That's the thing. Um, so I kind of wanted to play off the bullshit that I usually do um, with him. So, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. Nice. And then, yeah, like, honestly, I, we've done, we've been away. We've been off for 10 days officially. Um, it's no secret that we pre-record our shows from time to time and the our 12 days of Christmas was pre-recorded. Um, so I think the last show that we did was, what, 12 days ago? Funny enough. Yeah, I know that we left that last one down to the wire a little bit. Yeah. Just yeah. because it's it's hard to fit in the full-time job that we all have and this, plus, you know, loading that gun and not really thinking ahead too much as well as having the added responsibility of proximity of watching the show because none of us had watched it on its original air run. 
<laughs> we were all, it was either, are we recording tonight or am I going to be watching Lower Decks tonight or watching the submissions that you guys gave us, you know, in the Endless and, 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 and Batman Returns. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. It ended so up we, being a lot of work. <laughs> it, it really was, but it was fun. Like, you know, especially the Christmas yeah. show. I had a lot of fun watching something different, not really different, but something, you know, that I probably would have glanced over um, and yeah. then actually talking about it. And, you know, Lower Decks for what it was. I think yeah. having, doing this show made it a lot more fun. Yes, it, it made it more enjoyable. I think, I think it would have just been pain and suffering otherwise, but at least we were able to root out, if not some little gems in the show, at least some quality banter yeah. about other things. <laughs> and I wonder if uh, Tyler even remembers episode nine. Eight, oh, seven, eight, yeah. nine. I forget which one. Some some of those, um, Tyler was kind of under an influence, not necessarily <laughs> of, of anything beyond a, a medically prescribed antidote due to an injury, but he was somewhat out of it for, for elements, I believe. He might, might have difficulty remembering, but uh, it's all on tape, so he can go back and listen to it at any point in time. And the best part is I left all of the banter. Like, if you listen back to the shows, like, every opening was absolutely ridiculous because I just hit record, and I didn't really tell you guys until minutes later. Um, you know, and I did very little editing, so, like, so. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, we talk about this on the show a lot, but just so anybody who's new to the show or anything like that, we try not to talk too much about the actual content that we're going to be covering because we want to surprise each other on air and get that genuine kind of reaction to news or opinions or analysis that we're making on the properties or the, the thing in question. So that's why you hear the tomfoolery beforehand, because that's legitimately what it's like in the lobby waiting for Boris to give us the cues that everything's like on the go uh, the thing is with that episode we weren't doing a live intro so boris could do it whenever he wanted and that's that's you're getting the honest banter yeah it was that was all. the most honest and like live that you're gonna get from us until next yeah. year but we'll see what happens so yeah defenses were definitely down <laughs> oh for sure well that and we were all drinking yeah yeah we were all we were all having a christmas beverage exactly so this is a perfect segue. You said it best. We try not to talk about what we're going to talk about on the show. We try to kind of surprise each other with our analysis, our reactions, and things like that. So, again, to make everything a little more authentic. But over the break, because I knew we weren't going to podcast for at least a week and a half, we were talking about one movie a lot. Mm. And I think it's time to talk a little bit about this movie. That is Wonder Woman. 84. Um, so before we go into some of the craziness of the movie, Phil, what did you think of it? And I'm laughing because I know exactly what you're going to say. So this is yeah. this is a perfect reason why I don't like talking about stuff um, before we talk about it on the show. But yeah, whatever. well, I, I, can, I can definitely cover a few perspectives because I, I, I fished a lot of my friends on it. 
to see what their reactions were going to be. Now, first off, as as our most people know, I'm not the most ardent DC fan. All right, so I I've got a long history with the DC products, but that's basically like going back to the Adam West Batman or Batman show, some of the original Wonder Woman TV stuff like that and and maybe some of the cartoons like Justice League and whatnot that I paid attention to as a kid. And I have watched the major motion films. I didn't particularly love the original Wonder Woman movie that came out in 2017. Now, that's because it's a period piece, and it's a period that I don't like very much. I'm not a huge era of that kind of World War II, World War I area, era, whatever i i'm not particularly fond of it i i don't mind it sometimes if it's super well done and wonder woman was an acceptable movie it just didn't hit the chords for me wonder woman 84 i had a lot of hope that this was going to resonate better with me just because i am a child of the 80s so i was looking forward some of the jokes were okay in that regard but largely this movie did suffer a lot it was way too long. Um, yeah. Let's the start The story there. didn't make two sense. Two and a half hours. Two and a half yeah. hours. Like that. There was so much that you could have cut out of this movie. A yeah. lot of useless nonsense. Yeah. There, it, was, it, was, it was painful. And I had to split it into two watching sessions because it was tiring me out. If that makes sense. Um, it just It just didn't. It wasn't compelling me to stay tuned. It was like, oh, man, I need a palette refresh. I need to watch something else. And I just thought that there was a lot of conflicting ideas. Like, there were points in this movie where I was really confused as to what the hell the director or directors were doing. I couldn't understand some of the cuts. I couldn't understand some of the, uh, like, open-ended decisions in it. That didn't have any closure, which was weird for me in a movie like this. It just, there was a lot of stuff that just got presented to us as an audience, like the invisible jet and that little joke about losing the, the Rubik's Cube or whatever that she, or the mug that she made invisible. And I guess, like, I guess she lost the jet because it was invisible. Like, there was just stuff that just was weird. And, you know, let's not even go into the world of, I get it, it's a movie, you got to suspend a lot of stuff, but I just don't believe that this guy who flew a plane back back in the day would get into a jet and know how to fly it. The whole Chris Pine being in it was kind of on weak legs, but I get it. it. It was it was a weird, weird movie. I didn't like the end. I didn't like the middle. I didn't like... There was a lot of stuff that Kristen Wiig's character, though Kristen does a great job with it, I just didn't feel that there was any need to have that third villain in there. It was kind of probably part of the fluff of the movie. But they spent a lot of time setting her up and they didn't do a lot with her. They The, the scene was very muddy near the end in that battle scene. Now, I have friends who love it. I do have DC fans, friends who loved it because it was Wonder Woman. Because it was Wonder Woman on the big screen because they grew up with that 80s Wonder Woman show with Linda Carter or whatever it was. But I have some friends who are directors 
I have some friends who are movie aware and the overall feedback of the group that I consult and bounce this kind of stuff off of was very similar to the reaction that we just put out there in that it felt very convoluted and very uh, long and not very good. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's 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 too bad. I, I was hoping DC, DC would, you know, they, they were on a leg up with some of their content recently, especially Wonder Woman, especially Aquaman. I think are exceptional DC movies recently that combat the Marvel universe on a fighting ground. But I think that this one shows that DC still don't have it all together yet, but they're trying, you know, I'm not going to discourage DC fans. It, we got the Snyder cut coming up. It just looks like I don't know what the situation is because I know we talked about the fact that it looked like there was a lot of directors in the editing room having an argument about the movie. I don't know that backstory. Like, I don't know. That's, that's the thing. We don't fact. know the backstory, and I don't want to speculate. So you know, as soon as I saw that that um, Zack Snyder was the executive producer, one of the producers of this movie, mm-hmm. uh, my first initial instinct was, "Oh fuck!" Like I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Now. Um, and then, you know, over the past week, I've done a little bit of reading and research in prep for today's show. And one of the things that did pop up was that Patty Jenkins, you know, in the original Wonder Woman, and I'm going to put this out there. I was not a fan of the original movie. I would give that a solid six out of 10. Yeah. It seemed to do really well with a lot of fans. though. Yeah. Exactly. I think it was cohesively was, a better movie. Yeah, I think than this. I think one. the bar was just so low with DC after Bat v Batman v mm. Superman that and uh, Justice League that people just wanted something fresh. And anyways, but I wasn't the biggest fan of Wonder Woman, the first movie, the 2017 one. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But I was really looking forward to this one. I just thought that you know the the, the things were looking up for DC. So. Number one, seeing Zack Snyder really worried me. Um, doing some prep for this show, I was reading about how Patty Jenkins was still upset at the studio for, you know, having this convoluted ending to the first movie with Ares. She didn't want to introduce Ares the way that they did, but the studio forced her to. So, knowing that, and then reading up that this week, she fought to keep the opening scene of Wonder Woman, um, you know, with with little Diana in the race, she fought to Mm -hmm. keep that in. And to me, that was honestly the best part of the movie. Between that and the mall scene, those were, everything after that went downhill for me. But, the you know, because the mall scene, I know that a lot of people gave a lot of hell. But for me, that's what Wonder Woman is, you know, and kind of had this 80s cheesiness to it and I'm okay with that and I kind of you know the the problem with the 80s is you should never base anything on the 80s people do not look at the 80s too <laughs> fondly I think only Stranger Things has been able to keep the 80s somewhat serious and even then they have a lot of fun with it and they embrace the cheesiness of the 80s yeah there was a couple of jokes with Chris Pine you know, like, does everybody parachute? <laughs> Things like that yep. that I thought were just really funny. And But, again, the joke 
was funny because I know what the reference was to, and I don't know that everybody gets that reference that parachute pants were really popular in the 80s. And the same with the zippers and everything like that. Like everything had zippers on it. And it it it, it asked those funny questions about what the hell were we thinking with a lot of the fashion in the 80s. And and I, I thought like the 20 minute workout clothes that Kristen Wig had on and stuff like that was really funny because it was actually what people kind of wore yeah. when they worked out. But yeah, the Kathleen Turner look, right? Yeah, but it, those jokes don't carry a movie. Those jokes make a funny moment or a funny observation, a chuckle. You gotta have a core of a movie that makes sense, right? Like, yep. you have to close the loops that you open. You have to deliver on things, and it may be very Wonder Woman. There's a few times I complained about this movie, and you were right to kind of point at it and go no but this is on point for wonder woman she doesn't go and kill the bad guy she's going to save the people she's yeah. going to i just didn't like the way that it was shot yeah. the exe- yeah. i didn't like the way it was done because it looked so fake that it was part of the comedy for me and that wasn't what they were going for i don't think yeah because it, it was just not. so there was so much exaggeration that it really made it super unreal and took me out of the movie. Like, took me out of the moments, right? And then the whole kind of flying with lightning and stuff, that felt like a totally different color palette, a totally different director, a totally different movie to me. Well, that's... It it looked like that's where the fight was happening. Well, that's exactly it. So going back to what I was saying, you know, the fact that Patty Jenkins had to fight to keep the first two scenes, which was Little Diana Race and the mall scene, um, you know, that fact goes to show you something, that something was going on behind the scenes. Now, I say that every act in this movie felt like it was a different director. I So, it really felt like Patty Jenkins um, was in charge of the first two scenes. Then it felt like Jeff Johns of DC, you know, DC writer fame was in charge of the middle. Because the middle wasn't mm-hmm. the best, but it wasn't the worst. And then that third scene, including the climax and the fight scene and just the darkness of the fight scene and, and the almost polarity of how everything just got magically solved, that felt yeah. 100% Zack was- Snyder, you know? So weak. So like, weak. And it just uh, felt I, like I'm, I'm three fractured movies put into one because the, just the tone felt completely off um, throughout the entire movie. Like the first two scenes felt like they were going in one direction. Then in the middle, it felt like it was going in another direction. And then in the end, they just completely do like oh, this weird 180 and everything is fine. Everything is good, right? Like it just felt yeah. so weird and so... I don't know, forced and just like it, it felt like they were able to do a lot and the entire movie was put together in the editing room as opposed to before. It was just a yeah, very and, weird and thing. If you listen to the show, you know that we're huge Pedro Pascal fans that that we just really enjoyed him in, in, in his previous work. 
and whatnot, especially with Mandalorian. However, this movie was just off for me. I don't know, maybe he did a super over-the-top job, but I just felt like his character, maybe it was just poorly written, but it was just dumb. And that ending, and that scene as well, really stands out to me with the saving of the kids. Yeah. Like, there's so much about that scene that I don't understand, like, why these kids can't see this convoy of fucking fire and death coming at them. Why these kids... And then then the decision to use dolls and roll the actor with the dolls attached to her, it all looked so garbage. Like, it looked like... When I was a kid, there was this show... uh, We all know the comedy SCTV stuff um second city television and that was on and they'd always cut to whenever they'd throw somebody off of a building yeah this raggedy old dummy like formlessly falling and then smashing on the ground and then joe flaherty would be there on the ground picking himself up type thing but this felt like that to me like it was like those kids that you see inappropriately at, at halloween costumes like attached to somebody yeah. In a particular position. It just looked terrible for it was only a couple frames. It was only a split second. But that stood out to me so clearly. Yeah. That I'm just like, what kind of garbage is this? Like yeah. this is pure garbage at this point. Production values are are shit right now. At least if the story's bad and you invest heavily in the CGI and the and the the special effects and the you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. You kind of sometimes get a pass from audiences because they go, I was really impressed with this, even though it didn't make sense. Yeah. But this was just falling down all over the place. And they didn't explain that Wonder Woman was losing her powers very well. Like it was, it didn't kind of did and they very did well it, presented. Right? Like- yeah. It's, like look, I'd like to go back and watch it and, and look for the cues again. But it was just like, it just felt like everything was good until they didn't want it to be good. Then everything fell apart really fast. They did hint at it here and there. But overall, if you can't pick that up as a, um, as a, as, 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 as the, as an audience member, you know, they're clearly not doing their job. Like we shouldn't, I shouldn't have to explain to you that they were hinting at it and this and that throughout the entire movie, right? Like it should be obvious. Like, like it should have been a more presented fact to the audience. It should have been brought up as a tension point more clearly with Chris Pine's like the romantic thing because we're we're taking him from the other movie and we're establishing that the that this exists and there's trust. Well, then they should be able to converse about that those issues, and it just kind of feels like she was running away from it understandably so i get the character arcs here but i had a really difficult time because i'm like oh this is actually happening all right well kristen wiggs getting stronger and weirder and i guess because wonder woman has her boyfriend back as her wish it's costing her this and then you finally get it and you go okay so everything comes with a cost and then it was really heavy-handed yeah but <laughs> got yeah. silly yeah it did it did come it did get really silly really fast um but yeah so you know i think the best way that i were to and can describe this movie is that it is essentially 
Batman Returns meets Superman 2. So you have the Catwoman-like character of Batman Returns. You have Selina Kyle, who is this nerdy outcast, and all she wants to do is be noticed and be whatever. And then you have the Superman 2 <laughs> cheesiness of where Clark, um, to be with Lois, he had to lose his powers and just be an ordinary man. And then cheesiness ensued. Yeah, all set in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's a yep. slice of cheese. Yeah, yep. it's too bad because we waited all year for this movie. We finally get it. It's it's doing shockingly well at the box it hit office. A hundred million this weekend, right before this weekend. It's number one again. I, Not that that means anything, but it hit a hundred million worldwide. So that's you know that's a that's, that's an, an impressive number given given the state of the world. I can't imagine risking getting COVID to see this movie. Well, like sitting in a dank and moist theater in North America, you know, other places in, in the world America. where they know how to handle these things. Yeah, it's different. Like the UK. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. I know yeah. it's horrible in a lot of places, yeah. but there are places like Australia and New Zealand where things are, are much more controlled and confined. Yes. So yeah. congrats to those places. But the rest of us are suffering. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of the box office comes from those places, though, too. Yeah, 100%. At this point. 100%. So there's people making that choice. I hope they're safe. But it's it's not the movie that we we're all hoping for in yeah. 2020. I think it would have been a huge turd. Yeah. It's funny, though, because I know in an upcoming episode, we're going to talk about our best and worst picks on some of these things. In 2020, and man, my 2020 turd list is pretty big. It's easier to, to come up with the worst. And you know that a year was difficult mm. when. Yeah, like a lot of stuff sucked. A yeah. Lot, especially in the movie end. Here's the thing. It was, it was very, like my list of best, I have two choices to flip a coin between just to make the, the conversation dynamic. And man, oh man, the second choice just kind of blows my mind. Yep. Like, so here's really the bottom of the barrel, buddy. <laughs> I love it. Can't wait for that. So this is the thing about everything Wonder Woman is it's you know I'm not don't not watch it because of us. Yeah. Watch it. Make your own. Yeah, go decision. go watch it. Make your own opinion. Let us know. Talk to us on Twitter. Talk we to us on insane. Instagram. You can tell us we're insane. You can tell us maybe we're you too love negative. It. Exactly. Yeah, maybe you love it, and we're just bagging on it. I don't know, but to me, is I I think I summed it up to you guys. I wish I had my two and a half hours back. I could have lived life just as happy as I am right now, and just accepting that someone told me it's a pile of shit and not watch it. So. But that being said, I probably would have been bored with two and a half hours and watched it anyway if somebody told me not to. So exactly. I would have been like, no, it can't be that bad. No. No. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Can't be that bad. What's the worst that can happen? Well, One Woman mm -hmm. 84 is the worst that can happen. It but, could have been worse. But. Exactly. It is what it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, someone was happy because Warner Brothers has announced that Wonder Woman 3 has officially been greenlit 
and is being fast-tracked. Uh, so Patty Jenkins is back. Wow. Gal Gadot is back. And it's going to take place in the present. Yay. Well, that's that's an improvement. Yeah. Automatically. Gal Gadot is great. I think she's a, a wonderful representative of Wonder Woman. Yeah. That's... And Kristen Wiig did great. And yeah. and you know what? Pedro Pascal, even though I thought the character was less than stellar, and it was a little bit just I, I just found it was overdone. Um to be honest, you know, it was it was fun to see somebody reprise like doing that role. So <laughs> I'm not gonna shit on anyone. I'm I'm hopeful Patty Jenkins gets this, you know, super right for Wonder Woman 3, and maybe the studio keeps their little grubby fingers out of it, because I am led to believe that she is very close to finishing up her story on Rogue Squadron, which we also now know takes place after the rise of Skywalker. It's going to be in the deep future of Star Wars. Yep. And the tradition of Rogue Squadron. So, Yeah. I'm I'm I want I want her to be a success and I don't want cuz there's a lot of freaky crap that goes on at Lucasfilm when directors start getting the negative metacritic reviews that they get a little bit antsy with the fire finger the trigger finger on yep. their directors and I'm a little bit nervous about that but we shall see exactly. I'm we I'm hoping see. they stick with her because um, I really do think Lucasfilm want to get more female directors and more female voices in the Star Wars universe that's and become fine. more, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, that's that's just the way it is, and and there's a lot of great stories to tell. So those are all things that I want to watch. I want to see that Star Wars universe and the DC universe become more multicultural, become more have more female stories have just all this different variety i think is good for everybody yeah exactly but we'll see we'll see what happens Uh, yeah here's my thing here's my take well not my take but here's i bet you disney saw this they're looking at black widow and saying this turd better be good yeah, I'm I am a little bit worried about the hesitation that we see with Black Widow. So I don't know if they have a turd or if they have an ace up their sleeve. Yeah. Because they're playing it like an ace up their sleeve. But that can also easily be interpreted as they have WB did that with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, and and like you know, not to steal your thunder, but I'm sure you're going to get to this. And if not, I'm going to plant it here. It looks like Dune is getting extracted from this HBO Max deal and will be a theatrical release. And I think maybe that some of that, I know it's not official, yeah. but it's being talked about like it's going to be something that gets that happens. I think some of that is the fact that Wonder Woman 84 did pull in a legit amount of money. 
and things are going to be better by the time that they're planning to release Dune. We should be in vaccination territory if all things, hopefully, knock on wood, fingers crossed, don't get variant. You know, like, goodness knows, 2020 was hell, everybody, but 2021, it might just say, hold my beer. I don't know what the heck we're walking into in this world anymore. But, yeah, this whole Dune thing is interesting and in what's going Here's the on thing. with Warner Brothers. That's great. Whatever. That's that's fantastic. But Tenet was not worth getting COVID-19 right. for. Wonder Woman is not worth getting COVID-19 for. Dune mm-hmm. could be the greatest fucking movie ever released, and it is not We're worth the... getting COVID-19 for. Hey, but at that point, maybe this vaccine, it 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 takes care of us. It eliminates COVID-19's transmission. It gives us the ability to resist contracting the disease in this 96% efficacy percentile. And at that point, COVID-19 is basically, I'm being very optimistic. You're being super optimistic because if you look at the rate of vaccinations going, it's going to take us a long time to reach herd yeah. immunity. But yeah, that's another conversation. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know what? Good for Dune if it does. Like, you know, not to say that just like, um, just like uh, Wonder Woman, it's not going to do well in other markets outside of the North America, right? Yeah. I, I, I just, to me, the story here is, is just that this move that Warner Brothers made on these properties aren't as bulletproof or guaranteed as but we here's thought the thing. As, as we thought i don't think wb i don't think it ever really was i really think they're just responding to what is going on and let's be honest at this point regardless of what your company is and what you do things change plans are not set in stone at this point so expect yeah. a lot of change moving forward like we just don't know you just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's yeah. going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week. God knows what's going to happen in the spring, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, and, and as well, just keeping it in the, through that geek lens and, and what it is that we obsess about here on our on our podcast, you look at what the, the gauntlet that Disney Plus threw down. It'll be interesting to see the repercussions of that throughout. Like, I think Warner Brothers tried to get ahead of that. I think Disney threw a gauntlet down, and I think now Warner Brothers might consolidate things to become even more controlling over these properties. I don't know. Like, they're, they're probably, you've got banks of lawyers looking over contracts to go, how do we get this HBO Max thing even bigger? Yeah. How do we roll this to be even stronger for our properties and whatnot? So it's, it's just an interesting battlefield that's, that's developing for all of us as fans because no matter what i think we win i think we're either going to get great content and eventually it's going to be uh deployed in such a way that we're going to get access to it sooner rather than later yeah on on a smaller screen without any of these risks that we're talking about right so that's that's my takeaway with all this disney have so much control over their own stuff and they're they're showing that that's really the way, and I think that rolls into a little bit of that AMC news that kind of broke last week, late last week, 
in that AMC is trying to do some share diversification to generate another 124 or 125 million dollars in order to save its skin because obviously they're sensing that the party might not be over at the box office as far as their franchises are concerned yep. so essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to get more liquid liquid assets on hand so they're going to be selling more stock in order to survive we'll see what happens mm-hmm yeah, and we all know that they're they're obviously like even before the pandemic, they were in a, a hurting spot. Yeah, they, and they, that's the thing. Like, let's not a... let's not forget. People love talking about you know what HBO Max is doing, what Disney Plus is doing as the final proverbial nail to the coffin of movie theaters. But movie the and, and it might be, and it will be, and I'm sure yeah. the movie industry is going to change because of it. But AMC, Cineplex, Regal, whatever these companies are. They haven't done anything to help themselves over the past 10, 15 years. No. Like, apparently AMC had come up with some kind of movie pass that was just starting to show profitability. So I, I think AMC get the, the tip of the hat to their trying stuff. I don't know about Regal. I know for sure Cineplex hasn't been doing anything in that space. Regal they have, has, they have, or sorry, Cineplex is all they've done is book your parties, book your corporate events, have video yeah. game esports here. Like, they haven't really thought outside the box to get ongoing money coming in, that monthly recurring revenue that we've talked about exactly. so often. Exactly. Subscriptions. Yeah. That's what they need. Subscription-based, you know, like like AMC had this great thing where you movie pass or whatever, and you could go to the movies like a certain amount of times each month. Like it was something insane. I don't know exactly because we never had it here in Canada, but I saw people reviewing it on the internet and saying that it was good. Then they revoked that and they changed up the their movie pass situation. It was just starting to show profitability, apparently. And then this pandemic hit. Now, these companies had spent a lot of money, like especially AMC, in upgrading their theaters and their experience, and that put them in a big boatload of debt too. But I know that with Cineplex, they were trying to sell themselves off to that UK company. And then because of what had happened with coronavirus or the pandemic, they actually violated the terms of sale with the accruement of debt that violated the, the sale offering and the deal got next. So I think Cineplex's plan was to make someone else bail them out. And then Cineplex basically got told, nope, you can't do that now. Because the other company was just extremely allergic to this environment as well in terms of trying to take that challenge on and save their own necks. It was not a good situation. So I found that the Canadian market was not very observant to world trends other than trying to, to maybe the, the most that I can say is they tried to get more money from us through the VIP experience. Yeah. That was about the most innovation I saw at the movie theater. 100%. And, and that was giving it. us more com- more commercials. I think, <laughs> well, yeah. Were, were they really trying to get you is the fact with the entire VIP experience, they wanted, you know, that date night experience. And that was great for adults. Yeah. But how are you going to improve your regular theaters, right? Like they had zero plan outside of book your corporate events here and stuff like that here. You know, it's it's at the end of the day they didn't really do much. But somewhere out in the multiverse, they obviously 
are surviving and thriving. That's the multiverse, much like the DC <laughs> multiverse, um, because that's exactly what DC wants to do. Uh, and that is that, essentially, they want to have a multiverse with different versions of the same characters surviving. And we already saw this with Joker. We're going to see this with the Batman. We're seeing this with Ben Affleck's Batman. We're seeing this with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're seeing the multiverse in full effect. So we're, we might be able to be able to see different versions of Batman played by different characters with different storylines and things going on. And God knows what they're planning. And essentially, DC wants to release two movies a year moving forward. They're also right. looking to release four series on HBO Max over the next couple years. Wow, it's a play. I I think it it's it's an interesting play. I think that the hardcore DC people are definitely going to understand it. I I the only risk that they have in this is that the casual fan and I say casual just I mean like somebody who's not dialed into the DC universe that just kind of throws their eyes upon this stuff because there's talk about it at the office water cooler or on the internet or on the podcast they listen to. We talk about these shows and they go, I'm, I might want to check that out. It sounds pretty interesting. And then completely find that it conflicts with something else that they thought. Like, look at the challenges that we had with Lower Decks and Adherence to Canon. Right? Yeah. And that's an extreme example. But people do like, I think that's part of the success of Marvel is the consistency, right? Where stuff starts to link together. Now, it's not all doing that, and it's not all doing that well. But there are elements in almost every movie that tie it to another one of the movies, and then people get a big kick out of seeing those things, and, and then they feel included in that consistency. Well, here's the DC, thing. DC, this is a different take, and it's not wrong. I'm not, I'm not arguing against it. I'm just saying, as long as people understand that, then it could be a huge success. It could be a huge leg up, but I just worry that it's going to come across as very inconsistent. Well, then good luck with Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Well, who? I don't know what to expect with Spider-Man 3 until I see it. But that's the thing. I like, can't they're, comment. They're, they're going until... in the same direction, right? Especially with the success of Into the Multiverse, um, you know, that's the direction mm -hmm. that Spider-Man is going, the Spider-Verse. Uh, they're going into the Marvel multiverse with Earth-616 being the main Earth, and then God knows what else happening. You know, there's so many rumors with Spider-Man, and it's Spider-Man is very similar to The Flash, which, by the way, The Flash will reportedly, as of today, begin filming in April. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, The Flash is going to be like the big kickoff to the multiverse. Um, with their flashpoint that's still the rumored story that they're gonna go with you know so this is where you can properly explain to the audience what the multiverse is and the fact that you can have different canons with different characters and different timelines and what have you and you know that could kind of appease your casual viewer the casual viewer yep. then can choose to keep with um you know the patterson the batman or Ben, ben Affleck is Batman, or Michael Keane is Batman, or whomever. You know, it's 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 basically their choice at this point. But I agree with you 100. 
things need to be explained properly. This is an insane concept to bring yeah. to the mainstream. This the, it's the concept of it's ambitious. You know, I think that they've done an okay job of doing that with their uh, CW properties, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a still a very small frag, uh, small segment of their audience. It's still not entirely in the pop culture per se. But you know, even f- even with the CW stuff, what did I see the most buzz about when CW started crossing over those properties? That's exactly it. And, and then, that was the most yeah, success. When, when CW, yeah, when CW is crossing them over, what does that give you? Consistency, right? It rewards but, the audience for their investment. But the show's always if you're saying that crossover, the only consistency. Shape. But the sh- th- yeah, that's but if, the whole point. If, the, the, the shows always did cross over to a certain extent, but their major crossover once a year thing was their most successful um, episodes. But that's the thing, because they've explained things properly through The Flash. They were able to explain, hey, yeah. these are the various Earths, these are the various uh, multiverse Earths, and you know, crazy shit can happen in all of them. You know what? At the end of the day, we'll see what happens. It can lead to something disastrous, but it can also open up the door to just having different stories with, you know, and and, and creating these wacky adventures. It it could be a lot of fun. Like, no matter what, like, even if if the underlying, the underpin of consistently holding things together unravels, it's still going to be a ride. Like, it it, maybe we just accept that it's just this is the way it is. We just get a you know a, a clarification. This is not the same Joker as the other Joker. This is more in line with the R-rated movie or whatever, and that's the way it goes, right? So yeah, you're right. And as well, I think in the Marvel universe, I I think where Disney's gonna really pitch a gamble into things is Doctor Strange three, and what kind of multiverse kind of stuff is gonna open up with that, right? Because that is definitely set up between Ant-Man and, and, and Doctor Strange to really bring in all these different platforms that Endgame started knitting out there. So, yeah, you're right. Spider-Man and all that stuff are, are poised to do it. I just have more faith, and maybe that's misplaced, but I have more faith after being on a wild ride for 23 or 24 movies as a casual to the Marvel stuff. I have more faith in that rather than seeing, you know, like you, you're right to point out the CW has done a good job in, in underpinning their crossover, but I haven't seen that very well executed in the movie end of things. And I'm just getting more and more confused as a fan when I see the Zack Snyder stuff. I've brought it up on this show before where... I'm just like I'll watch it, but it's not, I don't know. It's not confusing. I don't know what it means. Look, no, 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 hold, hold, hold on. There's a big difference. <laughs> like, you know, There's a big I'm difference. Confused. Hold on. There's a big difference between being confused and not liking it. I'm just confused about I, what I haven't said. That. Oh, I, I think you guys have explained it well enough to me, but I still get a little confused around where this, where the Justice League exists with the original movie. I didn't mind the original movie. I just didn't mind it. Like, I, I, I know there's a lot of DC fans who take issue with it, and you're allowed to. I'm not here to say who's right, who's wrong, anything like that. I just didn't mind it. I, I came off of Justice League after a recovery period where yeah. I was injured. I watched it, and I got excited about it. I watched yeah. it on DVD or Blu-ray, and I was like, I'm really freaking buying into DC. 
And then Infinity Wars came out, and I went, what the hell is DC? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they took yeah. a whole bunch of movies that I had watched, and they made them all tie in to this end game thing. You know what I mean? Like, where it was eventually going. And it, that was effective, more effective to me than the kind of piecemeal that DC was doing, even though I was feeling it. I definitely felt a lot more positive about where the Infinity Stones and Infinity War and, and Endgame were going with their product yeah. from a casual point of view. Exactly. Like that's, from a non-invested comic guy, you know, or an old comic And guy. at the end of the day, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter whether, uh, you know, myself and Tyler as comic people per se, you know, we're, we're a very small segment of the people who are going to pay good money to watch these in the theater. Yeah, you're an important segment to keep it honest. And right. that benefits me as a fan, right? That your your task is to be guardians of the properties and call out some of the extreme BS that can happen as a fan base. Yeah, but then you also I think have that the that benefits the, everybody. Yeah, you then also have the other extreme where those people were just being absolutely batshit crazy when Captain Marvel came out. Yeah. And again, I, I I steer away from that kind of controversy. Oh, yeah. I thought Captain Marvel was pretty funny. It made me laugh. It was an 80s movie that worked, or was it 90s? 90s. 90s, okay. But I, I in fact, ordered the poster of the cat from Walt Disney. Yeah. With some of my Disney points, because I just, well, I like cats, but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, but we'll see, you know, Marvel is heading into a very interesting stage because Eternals, what do you know of them, mm. you know? Like, Nothing. they're, they're no. like, Nada. they are really going into this, um, they're, they're digging really deep into their, into their cosmic bag. bag. And let's yeah, see if, uh, but let's see if the mainstream will accept it. Hey man, I accepted that there was a talking raccoon with an imp or what 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 an ent an ent walking around with them the tree people right Groot. Yeah. but still who only like, speaks one line throughout the whole movie like i bought that i bought two movies worth of course i'm not saying that it's <laughs> i never heard of a gonna... guardians of the galaxy so i'm not saying knows? that it's gonna fail i'm just saying that like you know yeah they have they've they've gone through their 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 big guns but they also mm -hmm. have the ultimate ace up their sleeve now that they have X-Men back, Deadpool back, and uh, Fantastic Four back. You know, now we're actually oh, yeah. seeing their A lineup ready to be introduced into the MCU. It's just a matter yeah, of how they're going to do it. Yeah, Silver Surfer, all that stuff, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot that they've they've got. That's yeah. for sure. It's yeah. it's like it's True crazy enough. when you think about the possibilities, you know. And then you see DC squandering their ideas and still trying to figure out what the DC extended universe is. So we'll see what happens. But point is, mm -hmm. we'll see um, what how they just how they can explain this and just come out with good movies. Like you know, yeah, the Joker. Want. The Joker was so good. Yeah, I liked it. It was a bit dark. But overall, you know, it, I liked some of the casting choices. I liked uh, the the portrayals and whatnot. Like it was all fun for me, but it was it was a little depressing. I can't lie. 
sometimes I do like the the Marvel universe for the humor and the the kind of ability to you know keep you one foot in the comedy or the lighter end of things while still kind of touching maybe some of the darker stuff but hey that's just me that's directing choice that's that's everything and I do like seeing sometimes the the dark stuff especially with the Batman stuff and Joker is definitely not on an even keel so yeah killing joke though that was interesting <laughs> Yep. What a what a fun movie you guys reviewed there back. Oh my god! I think that was the first time that we were both like super angry and both like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm. You were teetering on the edge. You were like, "I want to like this movie," and then Tyler kept on like circling why he hated this movie, yeah. and then you're like, "You're right. <laughs> this yeah, is terrible." By the end of it, this I'm is like, all right. You sold me. Yeah, yeah, this is is it, man. You're right. Like, that was a bad choice. Uh, Even I, I was watching the movie and I'd seen it years ago. I was watching it and I'm like, oh, this is not standing up well to time. Like, that's that's a controversial pick. And then when Tyler started putting the dots together for me and I'm like, Oh yeah, this gets a little rapey. Like this is there's a lot happening in this that that that's indicated and and I don't know why it was rated R other than maybe some of that stuff which they denied that it even did at the time. So it was interesting. I I just would have thought that they they'd explore language a lot more knowing that they had that rating um that type of stuff but it it, it, it yeah, I have that comic book somewhere in this house. I'm just going to let you know. Yeah. I do have it. The original yeah, comic. I actually bought an original um, first, and this is one of the books destroyed, um, the, mm. uh, like the first printing of that for 40 bucks. Really? Like really good. Where'd yeah, you... really good version. Really good copy. Wow. Like I saw them on Comic Book Men. Now this would have been an early season comic book man, but they were offering somebody ten bucks for it. So I figured, yeah, like oh, this is yeah, like twenty twelve yeah. or something like that. But yeah. crazy. Yep. So you know, one of the things that we talked about when we talked about the Flash, and that is right now it is still scheduled to start recording, filming production in April, but we will see what happens because you know. And I hate to always bring it back to this, but it's a subject that we should bring up. And that's it. As I mentioned earlier, also, everything can change. Plans will change. Plans are not set in stone anymore uh, because production has officially halted in Los Angeles due to the coronavirus and the insane outbreak that's happening in California. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of shows have stopped filming in L.A. and the L.A. area. Yeah, it's getting pretty bad down there. I I know it's we're on lockdown up here. I can we're on lockdown. But doing. one thing I do want to bring up is the fact that production is still happening, but wow, rules have been really tight. So before everyone um, had to wear a mask, everyone had to get tested, everyone had to um, pass a. Um, a temperature check and things like that. If you even if you're like running hot and you're at 30 whatever, 37, 38, you get sent off set. You're not allowed on set. Um, but now mm. it's essential 
personnel only on set and tighter rules. But it's one of those, should we be doing that? And I don't want to debate that here. But no. the point is, production is still happening here in Toronto. Production has been halted in L.A. So, you know, it's just something to track more than anything else. Especially as, you know, TV shows um, are now getting back to the swing of things with the second half of their seasons. Uh, so we'll see what happens with TV shows and how many episodes they can get out this season. You know, again, everything is is kind of up in the air. Yeah, I remember years ago we had the writer strike. Yep. And this was this was at the time Hero season 1 came out and it was like everybody was so excited. Like I was watching that eating it up week to week. Yeah. It was so good. And then season 2 came and you're like something's wrong here. Yeah. And it was because the writers were on strike. And then season 3 came and it crapped itself. And it was just like, oh, this is, and you know, even Fox was like, no, we're done. We're getting out of this game as it stands. And it went from like first to worst because of writing. I feel like this is going to have a similar effect on some shows because they're having to truncate shooting schedules and, and change a lot of what they intended to do. At least from what I hear, like last year alone. Look, there were Grey's, episodes cut where they're like, we're not doing this. Grey's Anatomy is a perfect example. Grey's Anatomy had to cut their season short by a couple episodes. This season, mm-hmm. um, it's entirely dealt with COVID-19. Um, and who knows how many episodes they'll actually be able to get in to the, ser- the yeah. season before they get completely shut down. You know, I And don't they know just want content out there, right? And that's, yeah. so there's risks being taken. To yeah. the story, remember to there's... the characters, but they just want to get eyeballs on it because it's such a starving market. Well, not only that, but there's still contracts that have to be obeyed to with advertisers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I know WWE for as a fact that they have to produce a weekly live show for both USA Network and Fox to get their hundred million a year. Yep. It's crazy world. Crazy world. It's just crazy that we live in a world where, you know, the greater good isn't as important as, you know, the bottom cent dollar. Yep. But neither near or the margins. All right. Before we go, let's talk about Lego. Phil, talk to me. Talk mm. to me. What have they released? Uh, they released a new set, a bonsai tree. I this want that, new- actually. Yeah, they have a botanical line. So you can actually get, like, Lego roses and flowers. I, I've never really looked at this line. However, the bonsai tree hit me, and man, oh, man, does it ever look good. Like, yeah. And, and, and I've seen people already building it, and you can prune the trees. Like, you can basically make it look however you want your bonsai to look. You don't have to just build to the instructions, obviously. You can mock it. So I, 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 I think it's around $100. I haven't even looked at the price yet. I'm, I'm kind of scared to go to Lego because Lego over the Christmas holidays, Lego.com sold out of everything. So this is a really weird spot. that I've never seen that happen, but maybe it's just me being hyper aware. Yeah, hyper aware during this whole holiday season. So... It's an interesting thing that's happened with Lego as far as that goes. 
And they've also released um, a, a new city or a new set for the expert, which they do every January in the police station, which actually looks really nice to me. And there's um, there's also the Star Wars stuff, Mandalorian. They have a uh, a set for uh, about the forty dollar mark that has the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda or Grogu in it, and he's got his full Beskar with arm printing on it. Um, there's also some new sets. It's a great time to look at Star Wars sets if you want to get things like Tie Fighters and. X-Wings that are maybe not as big as some of the previous models, but they're definitely a lot cheaper, and they come with some great minifigures. Yeah. So LEGO are changing their strategies now, as far as deployment here. I have a question that I was, I've been waiting to mm -hmm. ask you for weeks, just so that we can talk about this on the show. And that is, I've been seeing, you know, as I scroll through news, I don't actively look for LEGO news, but it comes up quite often. You'd be shocked. Um, apparently Lego is reissuing some of the retired sets. Yeah. Yes. They're reissuing, uh, Saturn V rocket, which launched in 1966 or 1969. And it's got mm -hmm. 1,969 pieces. And there's a couple other sets that they're bringing back to market. Ship and, and this bottle. Is because Lego ship and it's because Lego have openly admitted that they retired them too soon. The demand is still really high. So this is unprecedented in the sense that they're reissuing the sets. I think there are some slight differences in maybe the box, but the content should be the same. Uh, so there might be some stuff happening on the market. Like I could see them, to be honest, reissuing the Slave 1 UCS set just because of the amount of hype about Boba Fett yeah. and all that's come out of the Mandalorian because Mando doesn't have the Razor Crest anymore. Um, yeah. And that set is kind of sitting there kind of ugly, maybe now because it's 150 bucks and it's basically, you could just leave it in pieces and it would be screen accurate. But, um, you know, there, there's some interesting stuff that Lego could do. It really comes down to with Lego it comes down to when they look at these sets, what they have tooled up and what they have ready to go out and what dyes they have going in the plastics. Yeah. So if they feel that they could do complete runs of sets, they could open up to the idea of reissues or just getting quick redesigns done to cut down on part counts, things like that, and get them back out there into a circulation. It, 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 begs the question of what's Lego going to do. Lego can be a very infuriating company as a fan because sometimes they just make really weird marketing decisions and they just don't do what seems to be the right thing. That's, mm -hmm. that's the way Lego is, right? That, that, that eclectic approach sometimes is the fun part. Like I have a UCS Slave 1 in my collection that I haven't built yet. And to me, it's the last Lego set that got produced without the Disney logo on it. Right. Every, every one after that has a Disney logo. I've got some expert creator sets that are the last of a vintage line and whatnot. And I, I'm, I don't know that I could ever sell them. It just really comes down to space and whatnot. Because then yeah. 
if I build them, I have to take something else apart and put it in storage, right? So yeah, yeah, it's, it 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 is. I I can say this because it because of the everyone in lockdown, because of the state of the world, Lego has really benefited as a company and a toy, because adults are building it more, kids are building it. It's something you can do in your household, and as well, uh, we call them adult fans of Lego or AFOL, um, there's a meditative thing that happens when you're building. It, it's almost like that runner's high, or I used to get it in cycling when I used to go out on a road bike or even my mountain bike and get into a good rhythm. I, I, my mind would go into this really happy state and I forgot all my worries and I just felt good. Sometimes when you're building, you can get there. And yeah. it's just the repetitiveness or the sense of satisfaction when you complete a complex build. So I'm constantly playing around looking for more and more difficult builds. Yeah. As far as that goes. Very interesting. Lego is a hell of a thing. Uh, but yeah. here's the thing. So going back to something that you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the secondhand market, the resellers market, if they're going to be reissuing something, you you would think that like, especially like, for example, in comic books, they make enough of a change to the second printing, the third printing, fourth printing, or what have you, um, in order to distinguish itself from that first printing, so that, you know, as a holder of the first printing, you are in like that elite group. And you're gonna get more bang for yeah. your buck in your in the second market. Do you think that Lego is going to take that into consideration? They may. I'm not sure. I I know I've seen. I haven't. I haven't invested a ton of time into researching because it was only two or three sets. So and they were just recently retired. Like I I bought some of these sets. I have the Saturn V rocket. Yeah. In my closet, um, unbuilt, and I'm just like. I, it just looked like too cool. That that thing is crazy because it, the bags aren't numbered, so you have to sequence out all one thousand nine hundred sixty nine parts before you can build it intelligently. Yeah. So that that's a project like that's a day right there, just organizing all the parts. But I'm hoping that there's a small difference visible on the box just yeah. for that reason. But at the same rate, like I say, I don't buy it with the thoughts of reselling it. So I don't know that it makes a big difference to me, but I know that it's a huge market. Like it is sure. undeniably massive. Uh, uh, you know, comics have got it down and cards and those collectibles, right? And vintage toys. But Lego is really dialed in right now on that. The secondary market is crazy. And there are honest valuations, there are some exploitive valuations, and then you can go on, like, the Facebook marketplace and you can make crazy amazing deals because people just end up going, oh, look at this big Star Destroyer that my, my now-dead uncle made, you know, Super Star Destroyer. I'm just going to sell it on marketplace, Facebook marketplace for, like, 100 bucks because that looks like $100 worth of plastic. Yeah, and then you find out that 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 set, if you bought it brand new in box, would be about seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah, because it only made it once, type thing. Yeah, and you also get into the whole idea of bricklink. You can get each individual part. So, like, there was a set that got released this year that was a Comic Con exclusive. 
of the frigate from the medical frigate from Empire Strikes Back. And you can make that, like, I know a lot of people wanted it. It got into a really weird Amazon. Somebody bought a whole bunch of these, like, like almost the entire stock. So almost none of them got out into the hands of collectors. And they're all being, like, PlayStation 5'd, right? Like, they're all being held for ransom now. PlayStation but 5. you can, yeah, you can, you can actually go and make that model off of a BrickLink site for like less than it's selling for because it's all just using regular parts. There's yeah. no exclusive parts in it. So there are interesting things and Lego bought BrickLink. So they yeah. really do control a lot of the pricing market now. Like that's where you can get an honest valuation of and an indication of what kind of rarity is involved in each set but this is like a huge deep rabbit hole right like it's it's always minifigs are one of the biggest draws that's why i mentioned that with the cheaper um x-wings and tie fighters they i would be naturally adverse to buying those sets because yeah. i already own the larger more complicated builds but the minifigs are awesome in it and i'm like Oh man, that might be worth my forty bucks just, just to get for those the minifigs. Four figures, because they've never issued this one, or this is a rare one to find. That type of thing, and it gets in your head, right? Because it's like, oh, I really need to have Han Solo with brown pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. I trust me, dude. It's, it's I weird. get it. Because they don't look like the characters. They look I, the same as every other minifig. You know what I mean? Like, there's no real difference. It's like the only pops. one that, yeah, it's it's just like pops. But the only one that I'm I'm kind of excited for is uh, still haven't opened it is my Lego Sesame Street because the actual minifigs they use different molds, which they said they were never gonna do. And I'm yeah. like, this just rocks to see a big bird in minifig form. Yeah, this is just awesome. That's that's so. really cool. That's really cool. I hope we can expand this conversation. You know, talk to some other people about Lego. Yeah, I'd love to get some people. It's such an interesting world for me. You know, like I'm such a step away from the whole collector world right now um, that it just it still it still enthralls me um, in terms of the thought process, the effort, and everything that goes into collecting Lego. Yeah, it's it's it it really is. Uh, for like I say, for myself, I've said this on the show in the past. I made the decision personally as a collector. I was a big Black Series, Hasbro Black Series collector, things like that. And I just decided that I'm gonna do Lego now. I'm not gonna collect all these junky toys. I'm not gonna yeah. to go that route. I'm gonna explore my Star Wars kind of collection through Lego because I get the additional satisfaction of doing the build. And then yeah. I get to, you know, collect the minifigs or do whatever and they have rarity and different. I don't yeah. know. I get it. I get it. All right, Phil, I think it's time. I think it's time to call it a week of news. But before we do that, can you let our awesome listeners know how they can get a hold of us? Of course I can. You can find us at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. 
You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you find podcasts. I'm telling you, the It's Canon Podcast is going to be there. And if we're not, give us a shout. Let us know. We'll get it on there. Except for on Plex, because we can't do that. <laughs> yep. But if you like what you hear so far, please be sure to subscribe and leave a rate and review on whatever platform you find us on. Amazon, hey, iHeartRadio, Intune, everywhere. We're there. Exactly. Thank you for that. 2021 is going to be a hell of a year for the It's Canon podcast. We have a lot of things planned. We might even be going to Twitch soon. We might give you some video. We might expand our content. We might do a lot of new things. And the only way you can find out what we're going to do and when we're going to do it is if you listen to us weekly and hit that subscribe. We might even have a contest or two, but more news on that. So later this week... We're going to talk about 2020, give a 2020 retrospective. We're going to be talking about the best. And what I'm looking forward to is the worst in 2020. Because holy <laughs> shit, was there a lot of bad. And we're going to have Tyler back. Tyler, I hope uh, you're doing well. I hope your computer, and more importantly, your PlayStation 5 is okay. Yeah, he's having some big time tech issues. And uh, he got the day off to deal yeah. with him because that poor guy, he's had yeah. quite a time. Exactly. Well, Phil, for the first episode of 2021, it's been a hell of a fun time chatting with all things, everything with you. We chat. We are the It's Canon Podcast, where we chat about all things movies, all things video games, all things comic books, all things books, all things TV, all things everything. And Phil, do you know what the best part of it all is? I'm hearing by the little tweeter bird on Twitter that it's all in canon. That's right. It's all in canon. He's Phil. I'm Boris. The show is the It's Canon Podcast. Good night. Good night.